Welcome to this Sunday's message from the King's Church Mid-Sussex. Good morning, everyone. Good morning. Welcome. Welcome to church. Welcome online. I'm Jim, one of the pastors here, and it's great to see you all here today. Um, on Friday, I met up with my main man, my good friend, Rob, and he got me a gift. And I thought it only appropriate to share with you the gift that Rob got me on Friday. So just... It's a Liverpool Football Club cap, if anyone's not into football. Um, they won the FA Cup yesterday. I know there's a few Liverpool fans in the house. So Rob Milton, I don my hat to you, and you also to me. Thank you very much. You're very kind. Um, let me also just recommend another book. We've got a few books out there, but... We've talked about Everyday Supernatural. This book um, by Wendy Mann is called Naturally Supernatural. Um, It's a great book, slightly different emphasis than Mike and Andy's book. Really um, thinking about our identity in Christ, who our good father is, and who we are as sons and daughters. So um, that's out there as well. So do have a look at that um, as um, we continue on this series, this exciting series called Everyday Supernatural. God is desperate for us to be desperate for him. Some brilliant, just prophetic picture that Nigel's just shared just then. God is desperate for us to be desperate for him. 2,000 years ago, uh, the Apostle Paul wrote a letter to some Christians in a place called Ephesus, letters to the Ephesians. And in Ephesians 5, verse 17 to 18, he says this, Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. In fact, the more accurate kind of translation of that line would be, go on being filled with the Spirit. Not a one-off event, but an ongoing reality. Don't get drunk on wine. Don't come under the influence of alcohol. Continually be filled with the Spirit. Come under the influence of the Holy Spirit in your life. Well, what did Paul mean by that? And what does it mean for us today? It's a question that has caused a lot of debate and discussion. Many books written in Christian history and Christian thought. What do we mean when we mean about being filled with the Holy Spirit? So important that we're clear on these things. Remember a couple of weeks ago, my golf club analogy, if we're slightly off when we strike the ball, 150 yards down the line, we'll be way off in the thick rough. We need to be clear on what we mean by these kind of lines, be filled with the Spirit. And so today I want to speak on the subject of being filled with the Holy Spirit. And at the end... We're going to have an opportunity to pray with people to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And I want to encourage you as I speak, as we look at the Word together, for um, your hearts to be open to all that God may want to do in us together, but also what God wants to do in your heart today and in your life today. Let's just pray. Father, we just want to ask for your Holy Spirit to be poured out upon us this morning as the Bible encourages us to do. And help me, Lord, as I communicate, to communicate clearly, but I pray it would be the Spirit speaking through my words, and I pray that our hearts would be open, our ears would be open, 
Come and meet us as we look at this subject together, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, let's start by quickly reminding ourselves of what happens to the first followers of Jesus. So Jesus, before his death and his resurrection and his ascension, he he said to his disciples, I'm not going to leave you as orphans. I will come to you. I'll not leave you on your own. And he told them to wait for the promised Holy Spirit. And at the book of Acts, we hear Jesus saying this. It says in Acts 1, verse 4 to 5, On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my Father has promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Jesus says, guys, you've heard me talk about the Holy Spirit. You know this is a gift that the Father has promised. So I'm asking you to wait in Jerusalem because you're going to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And when that happens, you'll be clothed with power from heaven. You see, Jesus knew that his followers, his disciples, would not be able to live out the Christian life without the empowering presence of the Holy Spirit. And so we read in Acts chapter 2 that as the first followers of Jesus were praying, suddenly um, the room they were in was filled with a sound. It sounded like rushing wind and what seemed to be tongues of fire appeared on people's heads, rested upon them. And it says all of them, all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit. And their lives are utterly transformed. So Peter, as an example, a few weeks earlier, was in Jerusalem, in the shadows, denying that he even knows Jesus. Now he's preaching in the center of Jerusalem, filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. 3,000 people respond to his message, get baptized, they're added to the church. And this event, this event, Pentecost, It's pivotal in church history. In fact, Pentecost Sunday is going to be on Sunday, 5th of June, a few weeks' time. We're going to have a big Pentecost celebration um, that morning because it's hugely important in church history where ordinary men and women were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to do the things that Jesus did. And the church began impacting cities, impacting nations. People were sent. The Spirit was poured out on believers and filling them with this presence and this power. But it raises some questions that has been debated in Christian history. Was this experience in the book of Acts of the Holy Spirit empowering those first followers of Jesus, was it just for them back then, or is it also for all Christians today? And if it is for us today, what's our response to that? I believe this empowering of the Holy Spirit is for all Christians every follower of Jesus in every generation and for us today. As Mike Pudovacci and Andy Croft say in their book, to become a Christian isn't to tick a box next to a set of beliefs. It's to enter into a relationship with the living God. And as we do this, the living God pours his spirit into us. I believe God wants to pour his Holy Spirit into every one of us. I believe that. So that we may live everyday supernatural lives. Now, one of the questions in the whole debate about the filling of the Spirit is this question. When are we filled with the Spirit? When does a Christian get filled with the Spirit? 
Some would say that the filling of the Spirit happens the moment you become a Christian at conversion. Every follower of Jesus receives everything they need the moment they say yes to Christ. So at that point of conversion, the Spirit comes and there is no subsequent events or subsequent events. You receive everything you need at salvation. Well, let me try and answer that question. The first thing to say is this. There is no Christian, or no one can be a Christian without the Holy Spirit, okay? The Bible is very, very clear on that. 1 Corinthians 12 verse 3 says this. I want you to know that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says Jesus be cursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. No one can say Jesus is Lord except by the presence and working of the Holy Spirit. So if you're here today... And if you believe with your heart that Jesus is Lord, that's because the Holy Spirit has been present and at work in your life. Because no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the work of the Holy Spirit. We'd not have been able to understand the gospel. We'd have not been able to say yes to Jesus without the work of the Holy Spirit in us, drawing us towards Jesus. So, of course, the Spirit is present and working in our lives as we're led to Jesus. Now, because of this, some Christians have argued, like I said, that we have everything at that point, and there's no subsequent need for filling of the Holy Spirit. We have it all at that moment. There's no need for an ongoing filling of the Spirit. But let's just logic that out a moment. If that argument is true, if we have everything we need at salvation, why does Paul write to Christians in Ephesus and say, go on being filled with the Holy Spirit. Why, why would he need to write that? It's illogical. If there was everything we needed at that point of conversion, there'd be no need for an ongoing reality of experiencing the presence and power of the Holy Spirit. If they had it all, why do they need to be told to be filled with the Spirit again? And also, there's another question that answer that I would give in response to that question. If we have it all, if we have everything there is already, then why do we so often lack the energy and power and life and vitality and joy of the New Testament church? The, the great preacher Martin Lloyd-Jones, he once responded to this argument in a very famous preach when he said, I won't try and do a deep Welsh accent now, <laughs> got it all? Well, if you've got it all, I simply ask in the name of God... Why are you as you are? If you've got it all, why are you so unlike the New Testament Christians? Got it all? Got it at your conversion? Well, where is it, I ask? <laughs> Thing is, I know what he's talking about. In my own testimony, in my own life, I'm not pointing any fingers here, but my own testimony of when I struggle with sin or when I feel distant from God or when I lack courage or I lack joy. You know, I mean, I see the Bible, I see when the Holy Spirit is poured out, I see ordinary men and women talking about Jesus with others, living generously, living courageously, praying for the sick, giving their possessions away, devoted to one another, passionate in worship, caring radically for the poor. I, I see this community in the Bible who are filled with the Spirit, and what I read in the Bible sometimes seems so far away from my own experience. I don't like that, I'm the only one. 
And so my own testimony of my own life, my own story is the fact that I know I need the ongoing filling and empowering presence of the Holy Spirit to live for Jesus. Not only am I convinced biblically, I'm convinced from my own experience that I need to be filled with the Spirit time and time again. So I absolutely believe that the Holy Spirit is present and at work in our lives when we become Christians. We cannot say Jesus is Lord without the Holy Spirit. But I also believe that to live life as a follower of Jesus, we need to go on being filled with the Holy Spirit. Not as a one-off event, but an ongoing reality. God is desperate for us to be desperate for him. I want to show you again from the Bible why I believe this is true. Turn with me to Acts chapter 8. I'm going to look at a story um, in the book of Acts where Philip the evangelist goes to Samaria. Um, Philip was in Jerusalem, and in Jerusalem they were facing persecution, so the Christians were scattered. Philip, known as Philip the evangelist, ends up in Samaria where he starts telling people about Jesus. And we read um, in Acts 8 verse 12, that when they believed Philip, as he proclaimed the good news of the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. So here we have people who have heard the gospel, responded to Jesus, even been baptized in water, clearly believers, clearly responding to the gospel, clearly the Holy Spirit is doing something in their lives, and they're getting baptized as a result. But then look at verse 14 to 17 with me. When the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had accepted the word of God, they sent Peter and John to Samaria. And when they arrived, they prayed for the new believers there that they might receive the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit had not yet come on any of them. They'd simply been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And then Peter and John placed their hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. So if these new Christians had received everything there was to receive at the point of salvation, why is it the apostles felt the need to then go down and say, we need to pray for you to receive the Spirit? And it clearly says in the text, they'd responded to Christ, but they had not yet received the Holy Spirit. And so the apostles pray on these new believers in Samaria, and the Holy Spirit comes. They receive the gift of the Spirit. So we see it here, we see it in the book of Acts. People who are saved, followers of Jesus, who then receive the Holy Spirit at another moment. I could give other examples. The Apostle Paul, he came to faith on the road to Damascus. He had a vision of Jesus, the risen Lord Jesus, came and spoke to him. It was three days later that Ananias went to the house where he was staying, laid hands on him, and then prayed for him to be filled with the Spirit. Different moments in his life. An encounter with Jesus... Three days later, being filled with the Spirit. The disciples themselves, I mean, they knew Jesus. They'd walked with him. They spent three years. Peter had confidently declared, Jesus, you are the Messiah. You're the Son of the living God. He knew who he was. But it was Pentecost when they received the coming of the Spirit. And not just in Acts 2, actually. We read in Acts 4 that they're in a prayer meeting, the first followers of Jesus. And it says, after they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. So it's not a one-off event for the first followers of Jesus. Here they were at Pentecost receiving the Spirit. Two chapters later, they're in a prayer meeting and it says they're being filled with the Spirit again. Go on 
being filled with the Spirit. Again, to quote Martin Lloyd-Jones, if your doctrine of the Holy Spirit does not include this idea of the Holy Spirit falling upon people, it is seriously, grievously defective. When I was, um, when I was 18 years old, I did a gap year, and I served a church in Romford, Essex. And um, I, I had a great year, challenging year, 93, 94 this was, and I, I volunteered for this church. And during, towards the end of that year, um, we as a team, as part of a team of four, heard about some meetings that were taking place at a Baptist church, Queens Road Baptist Church in Wimbledon. And so we got in my little orange mini metro, and we drove round from Romford, round to Wimbledon, to go to this um, meeting at this Baptist church in Wimbledon. And, um, and I got there as an 18-year-old, and God was doing the most extraordinary things that I never had seen before. I grew up in the church. I grew up, um, my parents sent me to church. I'd never seen what I saw that night. People were meeting with God, and some were crying, some were laughing, Others were um, falling over. I later learned that it was being called slain in the spirit. I didn't know any, I had no reference point for any of this. And all around me, people seemed to be meeting God in the most extraordinary ways. Do you know what I did? Stood there like this. Utterly unmoved. Looking around, staring, thinking, you lot are all nuts. This is absolutely crackers. Utterly unmoved. Hard-hearted, cynical, what on earth is this that I've come to? Um, that was happening there. It's happening in other places around the UK as well at that time. It was nicknamed the Toronto Blessing. Some of you remember um, being in meetings of the Toronto Blessing. Um, called that because this kind of move of God seemed to originate from a church in Toronto. And people were meeting with God in extraordinary ways. All over the place. All over the place. Was it all God? No, because we humans tend to like to hype stuff up and you know, make it about us. So it wasn't all God, but was God moving? Yes. Was God doing some new things? Yes. Was his spirit at work? Yes. Was I taking part of it? No. Unresolved. Not me. Not on my watch. I'm a brethren boy. <laughs> Two years later, I go to a leaders conference with Dominique before we were married, and we were serving actually on the kids team at this leaders conference. And, um, and in the, we served in the morning, I think it was 8 to 11 we were working in. And then um, I can remember being in the team canteen at this conference. And this Italian guy, I started a conversation with him. I can't remember what his name is. It's the first time I've chatted to him. I've never chatted to him since. Started to pray for me in the team canteen at this conference. And I can only describe it as like electricity running through my body. It's the only way I can describe it. And suddenly I'm like, oh my goodness, what's this? I've grown up in church. I've been baptized when I was 13. I've served in a church. I've been a Christian many years. Suddenly I was encountering something I'd never encountered before. And this guy started praying for Dominique and I. He started prophesying stuff. Like, in your marriage, you're going to serve in local churches. You're going to be involved in pastoral ministry and leadership, Jim. And Dominique, you're going to really get behind him and support him. You're going to be the one that's going to release him to make all of this happen. We weren't even married. And this guy started praying this stuff over our lives. I have no idea who he was. Honestly, I can't even remember his name. It's called him Giuseppe. I don't know. He's Italian. That's all I know. Um, but I'll tell you what. I knew I'd met God. 
I had an experience. I, I, I had an encounter that I'd never had before. I've been a Christian a long time. Why do I tell you that story? Because again, my own story is what I see in the pages of Scripture. I got saved. I can remember walking forward at a mission Eastbourne rally when Eric Delve was preaching when I was seven years old. I walked to the front and responded to the gospel. I got baptized at 13. My faith was real. I took a gap year to serve a church. You know what I mean? It was, I knew Christ. But suddenly I knew this power. Like, man, I haven't encountered this before. Go on being filled with the Holy Spirit. God is desperate for us to be desperate for him. So what do we need to do? There's a few things I think we need to know. The first thing is that I believe the gift of the Holy Spirit is for all. For every follower of Jesus Christ. When the first disciples of Jesus were filled with the Holy Spirit, Peter stood up and preached in Jerusalem and he quoted the Old Testament prophet Joel who said this, it's a prophetic word of Joel. I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. Hundreds of years before Jesus, Joel prophesies there's going to be a moment where God's going to pour his spirit on all, young and old. Doesn't, it doesn't matter age, gender, it's for all. Sons and daughters, young and old, men and women, there's, there's a promise coming. There's going to be a day when the Spirit is poured out on all. I, I believe we're still living in that day, church. And if you follow Jesus, this is for you. It's no hierarchy. It's not like this is for the really good Christians. It's for all. <laughs> it's for all. And Peter affirms this in Acts 2 when he's preaching. And he says, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you, your children, and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. Do you see that? The promise is for you, your children. Hey, I'm praying for our King's Kids and Youth programs as they look at this material. I may encounter the Holy Spirit. It's for all of us. Know what Paul says, Repent and be baptized, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. It follows repentance. It follows a life that says, no, no, I recognize my life isn't right with God, and I need to get right with God. I recognize I've lived for myself, and I haven't followed Jesus. Repentance is an about turn that says, I was living for myself. I'm now going to live for Christ. So it follows repentance. We mustn't overlook that. And it also follows baptism, repent and be baptized. Water baptism is ever so important, church. It's never just an optional extra. What Luke did a couple of weeks ago is amazing. If you've not been baptized, be baptized if you follow Jesus. Repent and be baptized, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Have you repented? Have you got right with God through Jesus Christ? If you have, have you been baptized? They're important questions for each one of us to answer. But the promise is for all that have repented and been baptized. And then the, the second thing we need to say about this is that the gift of the Holy Spirit is just that. It's a gift. It can't be earned. It's wrong thinking to presume that the pouring out of the Holy Spirit in our lives is somehow related to our achievements or our merits. No, no, it's related to Jesus' achievements and his merit alone. He's glorified so that the Spirit can now be poured out on all those that are part of him. That's what the Bible says. It's a gift. 
And in Luke 11, Jesus says, If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Father in heaven want to give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? It's a gift. Jesus wants to, um, the Father wants to give the gift of the Spirit. But look at that. Give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him. God is desperate for us to be desperate for him. It's a gift. Now, with all gifts, you have to receive it. I have a gift here, beautifully wrapped in um, wrapping paper. I want to give this gift to someone. Um, I need a volunteer. Wonderful. Would you like to receive this gift? Thank you very much. Come on up. Round of applause. Excellent stuff. Now, would you like it? Get it. Well, that's a very good question. That's a very. Do you trust me? It's a good gift. Yes. You do trust me. It's really, really important, okay, that we trust that the gift the Father wants to give us is good. Okay. I can promise you it's a good gift. Okay. I, I would want this gift. Okay. Um, Tim Goodenough would certainly want this gift. Okay. Um, you could say to me, "Nah, thanks. I'm all right," and then. It's not really a gift anymore, is it? Because I can say, you will have this gift. But if I have to force you to make, take it, it's not really a gift anymore at all. So you could say that, and we can say that with the Spirit. We can say, no, it's all right. I'm okay, thanks. I'm okay. Um, I could also say, here you go, receive the gift. Yeah. But can you give me a tenner? <laughs> so it's not a is that, that's not a gift, is it? Or I could say, um, you're going to have this if you can just run to Tesco's and get me a meal deal, bring it back, then you can have the gift. Um, but again, not a gift, because if you have to do something for it, it's not a gift, right? Again, with the Holy Spirit, it's not that God is saying, okay, when, when you attend three prayer meetings in a row, then you can... No, no, it's not a condition. It's a condition what Jesus has promised, okay? It's a free gift. So you could say no. You're not going to? No, I wouldn't. <laughs> I could force this upon you, but it's not a gift at all. I could make it conditional, but it's not a gift. The way gifts work is that I freely give something, and you freely receive something. There you go. Enjoy the gift. Thank you very much. But we can have the same approach when it comes to the gift of the Holy Spirit, church. Do you want this gift? Nah, I'm all right. Thanks. It's all right. God's not going to say, you will take this gift. Because that's not a gift. It's a gift. He wants us to ask him. Neither does he make it conditional. Here's the gift, but give me tenor. No. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. God is desperate for those to be desperate for him. Jesus says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receive. The one who seeks, finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. And having said these amazing words, Jesus goes on to say, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? It's no secret formula. We come to God humbly. We come to God thirsty. We come with repentance if needed. We believe God's goodness. He's a good father who wants to give good gifts. We believe his promise that he wants to pour out his spirit on all those who ask. 
But asking is important. He's not going to force something upon us. I believe he loves us to eagerly desire what he has for us. Sometimes we need to be persistent in our asking. We're not, this isn't downloading an app. We're seeking a relationship. And Jesus encourages us to be prevailing in prayer and persistent in prayer. And as we ask, I just want to say this, don't focus on the experience you may or may not be having or the experience that someone or someone else may not be having. Focus on Jesus. That's what we need to do as we receive the gift. You know, some people do cry um, when they meet with the Holy Spirit because the Bible says God pours his love into our hearts through the Holy Spirit. It's meant does impact our emotions. That's okay. Some people cry, but if you don't cry, don't worry. Some people might laugh because actually when the Holy Spirit comes, joy is released, and that's okay. But don't worry if you're not. It's not not about the experience. Some people sometimes feel like heat over them, sometimes feel peace. Sometimes people don't feel anything. The point isn't, what am I feeling? The point is, what has God promised? What's he promised? He's promised to give his Holy Spirit to those who ask. I want us to respond. We're going to worship and pray. Guys, thank you, worship team. Let me just try and wrap up where, where we've got to, and then let's respond. Paul says to Christians in Ephesus, don't get drunk on wine. Don't come under the influence of alcohol. Instead, go on being filled to the Spirit. Come under the empowering influence and presence of the Spirit. And whatever your experience has been of the Holy Spirit, maybe you've never known the kind of the feeling of the Holy Spirit that I've been talking about today. Maybe you have, but hey, we're like leaky buckets, aren't we? I mean, we can get tired and we get weary and life happens and challenges happen in different seasons. Sometimes you just need to remember, no, no, Paul said, go on being filled with the Spirit. It's an ongoing reality. It should be a very normal thing for Jesus' church to pray with one another to be filled with the Spirit. I believe it's a good gift. I believe we need to ask. I believe we're encouraged to ask. God is desperate for us to be desperate for him. So... Let's pray together, shall we? Maybe you want to stand right now and let's just welcome the Holy Spirit. Thanks for listening to this message from the King's Church, Mid-Sussex. To connect with us online, visit tkc.org.uk. We hope you'll join us again soon.